0: Lock, talk Radio. Hello Giants fans, those of you who are still around, welcome to the Giants Beat, week 5 edition. I am David Blossie I am joined by my co-host Alex Wilson and we want to start this podcast with a moment of silence for the Giants 2017 NFL season. The team has started at 0-5, uh, every healthy wide receiver is injured. Obviously, that's why they're injured. And it is officially over. So, we want to take a couple seconds here for a moment of silence. It's over. Folks, it is over. It is over. <laughs> it is over. It is so done. And we are done, too. Uh, we've gone off the deep end as Giants fans, as Giants podcasters, as writers. It is Mind-blowing how much we lost in one game. Not only did we actually lose the game, uh, our wide receivers are gone. Odell Beckham Jr., obviously, after the season, such a shame. Brandon Marshall, why it was a disappointment, is also after the season. And Dwayne Harris, also after the season now. Three separate injuries All I are, and on top of Sterling Shepard also being injured for a short period of time, we're not entirely sure yet how long he's out, but I have never, ever seen anything quite like this. Alex, what are your thoughts on this right now?
1: Oh, wow. That's That's a big question. And, I mean, when we were watching the game, I was sitting there watching the game, and I saw Odell Beckham Jr. go down, and I saw his ankle roll. And I was like, that's the same ankle that was already injured. And he is very hurt. You could see he was, I mean, he was crying immediately um, which is pretty telling of how severe the injury was. Brendan Marshall was already out. I did not think that was going to be a season ending injury, but clearly it is. I don't even know. He might retire at this point because what else is there? I mean, he's 33 years old. He's obviously aging. He wasn't productive at all. He still has, I'm pretty sure his last last, uh, year on the contract is, isn't guaranteed, so the Giants are probably better off just cutting him and and saving the $6 million that they splashed on him to basically get injured in week five. Dwayne Harris is probably done as well. He probably won't see a Giants jersey for the rest of his career. But now we have the question, who is left? You know, Who's left on the wide receiver corps? Who are they bringing in? Who did they bring in? Who's going to be the number one receiver? And lo and behold, we have Mr. Roger Lewis, who was the number four receiver last weekend, who is now the number one receiver. But I wouldn't just rule out the lack of success. I think that the Broncos' uh, defense is ailing. They're injured, and I think Eli Manning could have some success. I mean, Roger Lewis is not the best receiver, but they brought in Tavares King, who has some chemistry with Eli. I think the biggest dark horse on the receiving corps now is Travis Rudolph. He looked really good in preseason. He's fast. He's smart. And I think he has what it takes to kind of carve out a role for himself. They also uh, brought in Ed Egan, who I think is probably going to be supplanted by Darius Poe. Eventually he had a good preseason as well, but I do think that Rudolph is on the fast track to becoming one of the giants, better receivers. He could even take that number one role away from uh, Roger Lewis by the end of the season. He has speed. He contests the ball really well. Do you think that Travis Rudolph could, you know, overtake Roger Lewis and kind of, Supplant that role and be Eli's go-to?
0: I do. I think any wide receiver at this point, it, it's such an open field right now, unfortunately. I mean, Sterling Shepard once he's healthy is going to be the clear number one, but until that point happens, which could even be a week or two, and they might even shut him down at this point. If the Giants are 0-6, 0-7, I would shut down Sterling Shepard. So when you have just a collection of guys who, you know, are relatively talented and are in an NFL roster and there's no clear volume because you literally now have an entirely new cast of wide receivers, uh, anything can happen. Maybe it's the uh, pessimist in me, but just because Rudolph did have a good, you know, preseason, that's against players who are, you know, second string, third string, even fourth string caliber players. Going now against the top corners, top safeties, I just – you can't really – compare that preseason success against second tier, third tier players against now with the starting caliber guys. And it could be it could just be he could be a flash in the pan in the preseason. He could be good. I maybe just a pessimist in me, but I don't I don't know yet. I'm gonna to have to see after you know, this game against the Broncos and I believe we have a bye week after and then we face the Seahawks or it's the Seahawks and then the bye week. The point is that it's gonna take some time and I'm expecting nothing because it's not going to matter, unfortunately, which is truly just a sad statement to say so early into the season. It's, it's going to be rough, Giants fans, unfortunately, at least in my opinion.
1: Oh, I completely agree. <clears throat> I mean, consider having to read these articles and then having to write them. We have to sit here and write about how bad the Giants are. It's like the worst thing ever. I mean, I think that the number one receiver isn't even going to be a receiver. It's going to be Evan Ingram. It has to be. You know, he's the only guy that really – has that chemistry with Eli right now. He plays a lot more than any of the receivers do at this point because, I mean, Roger Lewis is a reserve receiver after all. We should expect to see Ingram getting the ball a lot, exposing the middle of the field. They're going to, the Auckland has to run through him and Wayne Galman now. I mean, Gallman is like pretty much the bell cow at this point. Orleans Darkwell is going to split carries. I think Paul Perkins has to, he has to be benched at this point. I mean, Gallman's what he has, 4.7 yards per carry on average, and Paul Perkins has 1.9. And Paul Perkins has what three more games than he does? Does that even make sense to you? I mean, Paul Perkins came into the season. We were expecting big things out of him. I mean, he's a fifth-round pick, but 1.9 yards per carry. I I don't even. I can't even fathom the fact that anyone could even be that lackluster at running the ball. Wayne Gallman looks like a string bean out there, and he's pulling off 4.7. <laughs> He's like the leanest running back I've ever seen, but he's slipping through tackles. He looks good. The Broncos have the number one ranked run defense in the league, so it's definitely going to be a problem. But I think that the key for the Giants this week is keeping the ball in the hands of the offense. They need to control the clock. They need to hold on to the ball as much as possible and keep the defense off the field because as long as the defense is off the field, the Broncos can't score, obviously. The Broncos have a decent offense. And Trevor Simeon's a, he's a he's a young quarterback but he, he's still capable and they have some weapons and the and the, the defense is clearly ailing. Landon Collins is injured. Olivier Vernon's injured. Jonathan Casillas is injured. DRC is obviously going haywire right now. Jenkins has been injured the whole season. Everybody's basically injured. So at this point, what do you do? You have to keep the ball in the hands of Eli Manning. And if you're Ben McAdoo, that hurry up offense bull crap needs to be, be to a minimum. They need to control the ball, control the game. And if they try, if they're trying to score, and they're trying to get, you know, rush down the field. They're just gonna give. They're gonna end up giving the ball back because they don't have the weapons to make the plays right now. Um, I mean, that's my opinion. What, what do you think? Do you think that's the the right call for him?
0: No, you're 100% absolutely right. The Giants are. the Giants are in a rough spot, and if you can keep the offense on the field somehow for even half of the game, even if you have the ball for 30 minutes, that just gives your defense a time to just be like, all right. We we can manage this. We can we can tolerate this. Yeah. Forty-five minutes of the game, and the Giants are still running a hurry up. So they're punting constantly, or they just look dead out there, which they very easily could with you know an entirely injured receiving core and running backs who have been ineffective up to a point. It could get ugly super duper quick. Like it could be. It wouldn't even shock me if you blink once and the Broncos score 14 unanswered points, 21 unanswered 21 points, because between an offense that is sputtering for the Giants and <coughs> even, injured, even an average to above-average Bronco team can just absolutely torch us uh, for 14 quick points, 21 quick points, within five minutes. So it wouldn't even shock me at this point now, because this is rough. So this, is a, this is a rough time to be a Giants fan.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I also want to talk about the offensive line going into this. They have to face off against Von Miller, who is going to make Bobby Hart rock. It's going to be embarrassing. There's no way around it. There's no way Bobby Hart actually puts up a, a puts up any sort of fight against Von Miller. You know, so expect to see a lot of running back chips. Red Allison is going to have to help out a lot on his side. They're going to have to double team him, even pull, maybe even pull the guard over to help out Bobby Hart because it's going be, to be bad. But that being said, they still need to find a way to run the ball because that's the, that's the way they're going to they're gonna have to utilize the running game to take time off the clock. Expect to see a lot of runs to the left side. I know Eric Flowers is also awful and represents a swinging door. Uh, there is no other way they have to run the ball and both tackles are a disaster. So what do you do in this situation? It's like everything is against the Giants offense, the entire team for that matter. The locker room is a mess. The offensive line is a mess. The receivers are a mess. It's the defense is a mess. Uh, it's, it's really bad. And switching over to the defensive line, you have the one of the bottom, but the lat, what the bottom ranked run defense in the league so that's a big, a big question as well going into week six. I mean, we have Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a rookie, but he's been really good so far, and we have obviously Damon Harrison, who is one of the best players, the best defensive linemen in the league, and we have Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul. Vernon's probably going to be out again, but just having those three is enough to at least stop most running backs. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I would hope so, but at this point. I'm I'm sounding so pessimistic, but I mean that's what happens when your team goes 0-5, and everything that you believe going into the season kind of changes on you. Uh, I don't I don't know anymore. It's it's becoming harder and harder to kind of encourage Giants fans and kind of like tell them like no, it's okay. Like we have this. It's getting difficult, man. It truly is. I I don't know anymore. For all I know, CJ Anderson. Lavie Booker, Jamal Charles—they can run for two hundred yards. They can run for five yards. They can run for two hundred. It's—it's just so broken. No matter what we say, mm-hmm. the Giants would hear us and then go, "Oh, hey, let's do the exact opposite of that?" It's
1: yep. Inconsistency is—is—is is, is the killer. It's the killer. You're, right. You're absolutely right, right. So what is it? let let me. You go. Okay, but you can even talk, Alex. I'm sorry. Um. I do want to go into the blame game between Jerry Reese and Ben do a little bit. I want to tell, what, what do you have to say first? Cause that, that's going to be a long discussion.
0: That's going to be a very long discussion. Uh, they should both be fired. Uh, they should both be fired immediately. Um, they should have their bags packed. Um, their locker rooms empty, you know, whatever their offices is clean. They should just be gone. Like the fact that we're still here week five or week six, I should say actually. And, um, they're still around. Terrible. Ben McAdoo has lost this entire team, and we could spend the next twenty minutes talking about the Dominic Rogers Cromartie situation. But this is—I've never seen a coaching staff lose a lose a rock lose a locker room, excuse me—in five weeks. I've never seen it. It's like they're trying to be bad. Ben McAdoo has done it. Somehow, he's done the exact opposite of what being a head coach is about. Instead of unifying everyone, everyone hates each other now. It's it's just so sad. It just I don't I don't understand anymore. I really don't know where this where, where everything went wrong, where this organization. Jerry's has, has to be fired. Ben McAdoo has to be fired.
1: I agree. I mean, it, it's it's. It's crazy to think that just last year, the defense was like a brotherhood. And what they, they added, like one more person, one more player, and everything has gone to hell. I don't understand what is the difference. It has to be the injuries and the, and the losing. It just, obviously, that just gets to you eventually. As a player, if you've ever played a, a sport, even at an amateur level, you know if you continue to lose, you just lose all confidence in yourself and your teammates. It just becomes a really hectic situation. And it's, at this point, it's catastrophic. And I, but I do want to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here on the side of Ben McAdoo. I do think that Jerry Reese is absolutely going to be fired because, I mean, how do you, how do you not fire him at this point? The, just the, the inconsistency and the, and the lack of balance on, on the, both sides of the ball is completely his fault. There, he obviously has drafted a few great players in OBJ and Landon Collins, but this, he, tried, he tried to fix the offense the same way as he did the defense. He tried to sign a bunch of free agents and it just didn't work. I think he he made a very bad business mistake. He went for quantity over quality. If you look at the Rams right now, they got Andrew Whitworth, the star left tackle. He's having like his best season yet. And he's paying, they're paying him less than we would have paid him for the three players that we bought. We, you know, we picked up, we got Brandon Marshall on a two year, $12 million contract, Ellison on a four year, 18 million, million contract and Fluker for a one-year, $3 million contract. I just want to kind of go over these three players and break down why they don't make sense at all. So we picked up Marshall on a two-year contract. We knew he was aging. He's 33 years old. Everybody knew he wasn't going to be the receiver he once was. He, all, he went. His statistics saw a huge dip last year. I don't know why people thought he was going to have a great year this year. He's a great blocking wide receiver, but if your quarterback can't get the ball out in time, that doesn't really matter, right? And if the running game doesn't have any offensive line to run behind, that doesn't really matter, does it? So he decided to cover that up with my man, Rhett Ellison, who barely even sees the playing field. He, mm-hmm. Ellison, just doesn't fit in, you know, Ellison just doesn't fit in McAdoo's offense. McAdoo likes to run a fast offense, very quick throws. Ellison doesn't even have a time to get a block off. He needs to have a stable offensive line to run his West Coast offense. And then we have D.J. Fluker, who was a Chargers outcast. I, I don't understand why only signing D.J. Fluker was, was a good idea. They signed him on a prove-it deal thinking, oh, this guy you know, is 347 pounds and six six seven. He has to be good. Clearly, technique is a lot more important. Just look at Justin Pugh. He was moved to right tackle from left guard and was performing better than anybody we've seen this season so far playing at on the right side of the line. So if you take all of those players and you cash all of their contracts in you get $13.5 million to spend, which is well in range of Whitworth's value. So that, that makes you think, why didn't he sign Whitworth? Because he couldn't swallow his pride and he had to keep flowers at left tackle. And it was ultimately just a pride thing, a bad, this bad business decision. And he went with quantity over quality, which if you go to any supermarket and you pick the off brand, you know that it's going to be bad. <laughs> You, but you, but you, but you accept the fact it's going to be bad. You know it's going to be that fake artificial chocolate flavor, but you accept the fact because you don't want to spend ten dollars for the real box of cereal. You only want to spend two dollars. You know what I mean? It's it, it, it's it's simple it's simple business talk right now. And he just made a drastic decision. He spent a lot of money on the defense two years ago, and it worked out because he spent a lot of money on the defense. He bought that real chocolate, but now he went out and bought a few aging aged chocolate and chocolate, and (laughs) that that bad fluker chocolate, and now we're sitting here 0-5 asking why the offensive line is bad and why Brandon Marshall is out for the season and why Ellison hasn't been being used at all, why the running game has been bad, and it all comes down to the Jerry Reese's decision. And when you give a coach like Ben McAdoo that kind of talent to work with, obviously you you have to blame him for a lot. You know, the decision-making hasn't been great on the field. He missed a lot of calls. He should have taken the field goals when he had the chance. But at at a certain point you have to look at it and be like, he was eleven and five last year. You know, he had a good season last year. He had the talent, but the job of signing the talent that he needed this year to actually be successful. And now we're seeing the result of that. And I think that Reese needs to be fired if I mean the locker room, that's a whole other development. That's all on Ben Nakadu, I agree with you. But also a, a losing culture. That'll do that to players, you know? That can't be entirely blamed on McAdoo, but he has to shoulder some of the blame for not rallying his troops and keeping everybody calm. So, Jerry Reese is absolutely going to be fired, but Ben McAdoo may get away with one. That's what I, that's what I personally think.
0: If Ben McAdoo somehow survives this season, let's just let's just go worst case. Giants go three and thirteen. I think that's actually a realistic record for this team.
1: I, I agree. The
0: Only game I can see them being even favored in at all is maybe maybe the 49ers. Everything else is just a complete guessing game. Like every team now, this is a trap game situation. We have to be the ultimate trap team. Teams have to look at us and be like, oh, they're the Giants. They have no one left. We can beat them, and then we shock them. And that might be the only chance we have of actually winning more than three games. But that might be generous at this point in time. Let's say John's go 3-13, and 13, have the number one pick, and take, you know, someone they don't need. Because that just seems like Jerry Reese's thing, if he somehow survives that. But let's just go with, hopefully, a brighter future where we get a new GM. We, you know, he keeps smacking you for whatever reason. How long does that leash go Heading into the 2018 season, how long would you trust Ben McAdoo with a new GM, a, a, a somewhat revamped team? Because the team is going to have major changes going into next season. How long does that leash go? I've been calling for Ben McAdoo's job now for about three weeks. I, I unfortunately just saw, for some reason, like the you know the, the red flags coming up quickly, and I, I just can't see him making it through the season. I think it's a sweet clean house. Bring everyone bringing new people, bringing all these, you know. There's major changes coming, in my opinion, and I just can't see Magadu surviving that. But if he does, as you believe he will, how long would you give him a leash for? Another four games, five games next season? Do you give him another entire full season? Like, what's, what's your opinion on that, Alex? Because you have different interpretations of what the
1: Giants do. Right. Um, that's an interesting question because it's hard to gauge they're gonna, if they're going to bring in a new general manager, who knows what he's going to do, if he's going to sign the right talent. The head coach is basically the scapegoat for every general manager. That's personally what I believe, and Ben McAdoo is feeling the brunt of that right now, among his obvious mistakes. But he's feeling the pressure for Reese's mistakes. Um, but in terms of leash, I think that four games sounds about fair. He should have the entire preseason and four regular season games to decide his future. I think that that's plenty of time to get his team in the right place. I mean, that's literally about a little bit less than a year from now, so he has a lot of time to figure it out. He's a professional coach, so he should be able to figure it out. Um, But I would say about four games into the regular season sounds about right. But I do want to talk about a little bit about what's going on today. Um, I'm looking right now and seeing that DRC obviously didn't practice today. Shepard didn't practice. Vernon, Landon Collins, Paul Perkins, Jonathan Casillas, and Weston Richburg all didn't practice today. So that's a ton of starters on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's really bad. But we do have my favorite player, my favorite dark horse player, has been elevated to the the active roster. My man Dante Dion, the five foot eight mongrel, the little beast. He is my favorite player because he is so small. He, did, he actually looks like a child on the football field. It's actually very interesting to watch. <laughs> he look, it looks like some little guy ran out on the field and just like decided to put on a jersey. It, it's awesome how talented he is, and I really want to see him succeed. I've been, I've been a fan of him since the beginning, and he's a ball hawk. He's one of those guys. He's so small that he actually can hide behind linebackers and just come out of nowhere and intercept passes. So maybe we'll see him make a play this week. I hope we do, but... As for now, it's looking like the defense is going to be up against a a pretty solid offense, and I don't think that they have enough talent right now, especially if Collins is forced out with an ankle injury, Vernon might be out, Jonathan Casillas. If these guys are out, it's going to be a really bad day because we don't have much depth at any position at this point.
0: No, you're absolutely right. So I do want to bring this up because you and I were talking about this right before the podcast started. When do the Giants begin the Davis Webb experiment? When do you believe that happens?
1: See, this, this is my take on the Davis Webb experiment because we've seen Wayne Gallman get some touches. He might even have the starting job at this point. We've seen Dalvin Tomlinson step in and fill the role of Jonathan Hankins. He's actually been very impressive this season. But Davis Webb is an interesting topic because how do you sit Eli Manning when you're paying him $19 million to play this year? You know, so it. This is this is my take on it. If the Giants go into the bye week, not having recorded a win, they start to give Davis Webb some reps, but they they do not start him. They give him a drive here and there at the end of the game if they're losing by that much, if he, if they can afford it. But we're in a New York, you know, we're in New York, so it's it's harsh. If you start, if you end the season in week six, week seven, and you start throwing out rookies and basically giving up the fact that, you know, this, the season's over and all the fans that have paid good money to watch the team are now watching backups play, that is not going to go well. That's, that's just pure disrespect to the fans, I think. You have to put Eli Manning on the field. People go to see Eli Manning. People go to see Odell Beckham Jr. And if OBJ is not going to be there, you, you, have, you have to at least put out Manning. So I think Davis Webb maybe sneaks in a few drives here and there at the end of the game sometimes if they're losing badly, but he's not going to start any games this season. It's just, it doesn't make sense right now. And it just doesn't make sense for the fans. I would be pretty mad if I saw Davis Webb step out on the field to start a game. What what do you think about that?
0: You see, I actually disagree with you on this. I think that, Eli Manning is not the Giants' future, obviously. He is in the twilight of his career. He is a 36-, 37-year-old quarterback who has done so much for the Giants. And, you know, he'll have his number retired, might have been the Hall of Fame, all this great stuff. Eli Manning has helped the Giants in so many ways. But this is the 2017 NFL season. They're 0-5. Yes, he's being paid a ton of money. Yes, he is now going to be the driving force for Giants fans to come out the games. But I think rational Giants fans are going to look at him, look at this team situation and be like, all right, Eli's not the answer for the next ten seasons, five seasons, even maybe next season. Quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, all these older – no, you know, Rodgers isn't older, but the point is, you know, uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, these older quarterbacks who are able to still succeed. That's not the norm. Quarterbacks start breaking down, you know. You looked at Ben Roethlisberger this past week. He had, what, six interceptions, five interceptions? They're getting up there in age. These players are not going to last forever. And the rational Giants fans have to look at it and be like, all right, it's over. The season's done. Let's bring in this rookie. Let's see what he can do. Because if he shows promise and potential, you can build around that for the next, hopefully, 10 to 16 seasons. He can be the next great quarterback. And if he isn't the answer and Giants fans are not – so, sure, this and the front office and, you know, managers and whatever else, they, they agree that Davis Love is not the answer. You can plan ahead for that. Going into next season, let's say Eli Manning is a starter and Davis Love has not played in the NFL and, not you know, not taking any meaningful snaps. And Eli gets hurt and then Davis Love comes in and it isn't the answer. But then you're just, you know, a year ahead of time where it's like, all right, we really have no idea what we're doing anymore. We really have to prepare. At least now this season with it being lost, you're kind of throwing Davis Webb to the wolves but you're in New York anyway. This is the market where you will be scrutinized and you will be tested, and we will have to see if he can survive in that market and, and thrive in it. And if he can't, we'll find someone who can.
1: And Hello, Sam Darnold.
0: Little... <laughs> Listen, it might happen. You never know, but, but... you got to throw the rookie to the wolves. I've said it for a few weeks now. I think Davis Love does start at least one game for the Giants. And whether that was going to be because of injury, or because of the Giants were out of it, I've, I've said for a while now. I think Davis Webb does start one game. If that is against the Broncos, no. Against the Seahawks, no. Maybe it's against the 49ers. It doesn't matter. I really do think Davis Webb eventually is the starting quarterback. Eli Manning either accepts his role, not because of poor play by him, but because of the fact that hey, listen, I'm 37. I'm not going to play that much longer give the rookie a chance to see what happens. So whether it's based on his ego and allowing this to happen or the Giants have to make the move on their own remains to be seen. But I do believe there's love to start at least one game for the Giants.
1: All right. That's a fair assumption. I, I, honestly, I, I don't, I don't want to see him step out on the field, but I wouldn't mind seeing what he can, he can produce, but we only have about two minutes here. So I want to just go over quickly the DRC situation. Um The newest, Information that I have is that he, according to Mike Francesa on the fan, he got an altercation during the game with the Giants player. They started fighting and then he walked off the field or he was going to and apparently left the team, according to Ben McAdoo. And uh, he actually went to talk to McAdoo today and he's going to be suspended indefinitely, which is to be expected this is not good for a defense that needed a, a veteran leader to step up and kind of lead the team in this time of crisis. It's going to be bad for the secondary because he's arguably their second best corner. I mean, Eli Apple's he's after, um, and Janoris Jenkins is probably like might as well just the only reason he's going to be playing is for his personal st- statistics at this point. So it, it's, it's looking all around just very, very bad. Um, do you want to add anything, any predictions to for the game on Sunday?
0: Okay, so real quick, I'm going to give a quick prediction. Giants either lose 31-0, because the universe makes sense like that, or they play the greatest track game ever and beat the Broncos by double digits. So it's either going to be one extreme, Giants either get completely annihilated, or biggest track game of all time, Giants win by double, double digits.
1: That's my prediction. What about you? I'm going to go with the Giants lose another ugly one. They're going to be... They're going to put up a fight in the first quarter, but they're just going to get outmatched in the second half. Um, it's going to be, and in, in, in I'm, I'm predicting in the fourth quarter, they're just going to start to pull away. The Broncos are just going to score a few touchdowns, and we might even see a little bit of Davis Webb action. So I'm going to go with a score of 34 to 17, Broncos.
0: All right, fans, there you go. It's been interesting with the Giants. Welcome, uh, Thank you guys for listening to the Giants beat. I'm David Bolstein. I was joined by Alex Wilson. I hope you guys have a nice day. Go, Giants.